Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sea Change Podcast. I am your host, Jenna Valente, and this is your go-to show to learn about the most inspiring people living, working, and recreating on the American shorelines. And I am thrilled to introduce you all to my guest today. But before I do, let's take care of some housekeeping and hear a quick message from our sponsors. Today, this show is sponsored by Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline (laughs) Podcast Network. That's right. We're the sponsors of this show, and you can be a sponsor of Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Uh, It's it's a great opportunity to reach a really diverse audience. I got to say, you know, I'm surprised when I look at the stats on our podcast network about 15% 15% of the listeners are outside the United States. Yeah, that you know, is it's international. That's right. And uh, we will be doing a uh, podcast listener survey here. Uh, it'll be ready soon. Uh, it's not quite ready yet. But um, listen, if your company is trying to expand your footprint, enhance your brand, right. get your message out there uh, with advertisements on Coastal News Today and the American Shoreline Podcast Network. Yeah, give us a call. Um, the information is on the website, Coastal News Today, but you can email Peter at CoastalNewsToday.com or Tyler at CoastalNewsToday.com, and we will be happy to bring you on as a sponsor. Today I am joined by Joe Leahy. Joe is a Long Island native. He has served in the Coast Guard. He's an outdoor enthusiast and is also an extremely talented visual storyteller. So as all of you can imagine, we have a lot to talk about. So let's go ahead and get into it. Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me, Jenna. It's good to be here. So my first step in every show is to get to know who you are a little bit better because, yes, there is just so much great work being done out there, which we will certainly chat about. But I find it fascinating to learn more about all of the different paths people take to get to where we are now, sitting here chatting with each other about our love for the ocean and the outdoors. Um, And there is so much inspiration that can be drawn from exploring the human experience and shining a light on how no one person ever walks the same path to get to where they are now. So with that, Joe, will you walk me down a little bit of your life path, touching on some of the more formative moments that led you to where you are right now. Yeah, sure. So I was born and raised on Long Island, like you said. Um, I I grew up on the water sailing with my dad. You know, he always tells us, me and my brother, that he had us out there sailing before we can even hold our heads up, you know. Um, so he was always sailing on the water and both of my parents were pretty adventurous people i would say they're they're both pilots my dad's been flying since he was 16 years old um he's about to retire actually in october with somewhere around 26,000 hours of flight time um and so he's seen you know just about every corner of the planet and growing up you know growing up on postcards and hearing all these stories about like tribes in africa and greenland and like diving in the South Pacific. It's like we were, my brother actually does the same thing that he's doing photography and traveling as much as possible. And, you know, we were kind of bound for craving an adventurous kind of life. Um, and my mom too, she was actually like the first female pilot 
to be hired by a major airline, which was Pan Am. Um, and so she made a life out of flying, took a little break to raise us, and then she's back flying again. So um, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. So it's, you know, kind of a kind of an adventurous family. And um, so when I first left home, I went to Coastal Carolina University for a little while after high school. I just, um, you know, I wanted to give college a shot and my parents obviously wanted me to give college a shot. Um, but I actually, I always wanted to be in the military for a, for a, quite a while, which is, I guess like now that I think about it, it's kind of strange. It didn't really fit like the military lifestyle didn't really fit who I was. Um, but so after a little while in coastal Carolina, I just, I enlisted in the coast guard, um, in 2013 and I went to boot camp, and then I was first stationed up in Northern Maine in Southwest Harbor, um, on a cutter called the bridle. It was a little tug icebreaker. So in the wintertime we would break ice up, um, the Penobscot river up to Bangor. Sometimes we would go down to Portland and, uh, after that, I wanted to be a rescue swimmer in the Coast Guard. I went to rescue swimmer school for a little while. I was actually disqualified for a kind of a issue that I had with my elbows, which is strange. But so after that, I went to Eaton's Neck back home on Long Island, which is really lucky. But around that same time, I made the decision that I, I didn't want to make a career out of it. It just wasn't the lifestyle that I wanted. And, you know, after I met so many people great people in the Coast Guard, a lot of people kind of got into this mindset where they do with a lot of careers outside of the military as well, where it's just like, you know, you just should put in your 20 years and then you'll get a pension and whatever. And I always like, I thought that was the craziest thing that like people would say, all you have to do is put in 20 years. Like <laughs> that's a lot of time of your life to do something if you don't really love it just to get a little bit of, you know, retirement money at the end. But Anyway, I just, I decided I wanted to get out. <clears throat> um, while I was still in, I, two things, I picked up a camera and I started shooting photos and video. And I also kind of realized how much I wanted to study engineering. Um, I was always, ever since I was little, kind of fascinated with how things worked. Um, but it wasn't until later, even after trying school and, you know, for it to really click, like that would be an option of something that I could study and, and learn more about, you know, how things work. And um, so I started studying engineering. That was probably the, the greatest benefit of being in the Coast Guard was the GI Bill, obviously. You know, I got all the education benefits out of it. Um, yeah, so there's that. And then I started, you know, the real kind of creative side of shooting photos and video. And, you know, now I've been doing it for years and I'm still learning to this day, but it's it's cool how it's evolved so much for me um and now here i am <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know I, I when i was hearing you talk about your experience with the coast guard i started thinking about you know that's sort of a shared experience that we have with um in a slightly different way because i was in a family with the father in the coast guard for 30 years but i often say that you know it, it, when you sign up for the military and if you have a family it's sort of like your whole family goes in um and you know, we, we went on the adventures with my dad and, you know, it brought us to some really amazing places. We lived in Hawaii and Maine and Washington state and, you know, like some of those beautiful places in the world. And I think that a lot of that played into, 
um, my adventurous spirit and my appreciation for the outdoors. Um, but when it came time for me to start thinking about what I wanted to do for my career, I think I found myself in a, a similar place that you found yourself in with thinking about, you know, like just go in for 20 years. And I understand that that stability is going to be perfect for some people, but I just don't think that my personality type was really that conducive to it. Um, but I commend you for trying and having that experience and, you know, putting in the time that you did. And I often think that sometimes um, some of the most important lessons that people can learn is, you know, what they don't want to do. And there are so many just incredible, you know, uh, valuable mindsets and tools and skills that you can still learn from trying things that maybe you don't end up being super passionate about that will bring you to that next phase of your life. And so I'm curious to learn more about what it was like growing up on Long Island and what the community was like there, because I imagine that it was probably quite different from where I grew up, which was just north of Portland, Maine, after we were, um, you know, after we finished moving around following my dad's Coast Guard career. Um, so what was it like growing up on Long Island? And did you find that people were really influenced by or in in touch with the outdoors there? Um, definitely. I mean, there's a whole mix of people on Long Island. It's obviously a big area. Um, not, I think growing up, liking like the adventures, like I, I grew up skating and biking and surfing and snowboarding. I think that I was would actually say that I was probably more in the minority in that like I didn't play any traditional sports at school or anything so like there definitely was you know people that like doing the things that I like doing um and you know it's obviously a huge community of uh, boating and fishing and surfing and you know because we're surrounded by water um so that you know that obviously that aspect of things had a huge impact in my life being around the water so much and you know I think anybody that grew up like that would say the same thing that like the ocean is really a part of who you are. Like I, I would never be able to see myself moving like away from the ocean ever. I don't even know what I would do. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm sure you feel like (laughs) if you grew up by the water, I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And I've considered moving to some landlocked States before, you know, mainly thinking about how amazing Colorado is Um, And I think a big factor for me in having never taken that step is the fear of being landlocked. Um, And I know that there probably are plenty of other incredible outdoor adventure spots there, um, you know, between the hiking and mountain biking and rock climbing, skiing, that maybe I would be so distracted that um, I would kind of forget about it. But yeah, that is just so ingrained in who I am. And I have always lived right along the coast. Um, so I don't know if there's like an official name for whatever that phobia is, but <laughs> I feel like I probably have it. Um, I, I, I need to be close to the water. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something like if you ask any, any like sailor or surfer or fisherman, like it's, it's more than just like a geographic thing. It's, it really is a part of who you are and it's like a feeling, uh, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that's why like you'll always find that those type of people are are the ones that are typically taking care of the ocean. Yeah, I agree. And understanding that you're an avid outdoorsman, what does that experience mean to you? And how do you think 
spending time outdoors and on the water has shaped you? Um, I mean, being outside and being on the ocean, it, it really means everything to me. And it, that's, you know, growing up the way that I did with the people that I did, my family, like, I really, I guess I grew up having a lot of freedom to like explore what I really loved. And, and I, you know, having that led me to spend so much time outside and I was never really inside playing video games or anything like that. So yeah, really. And like, I think that, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, what goes on the way that other people grow up. I can only speculate on my own upbringing, but I think like when, when you start to get into this topic of taking care of the ocean and the environment on our planet, it's, I think a huge problem is that so many people have gotten disconnected from nature, whether it's because they, you know, like you live in the city now where everything's around, your whole surrounding is artificial and, you know, everything that we have, our phones, our screens, there's so many distractions and so much stimulus that you get so disconnected from nature. And then, you know, why, why would those people really care as much about the environment if it's not, you know, a part of who they are? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you, I think what they even have a name for it now with nature deficit disorder. I mean, that's real. Yeah. I, I, I've, you know, to kick off my, my career, I feel like a lot of the places that are hiring are in urban areas. So I've found myself living in more urban areas for, you know, the past decade or so. And, um, you know, I, I do love living, like I live in Boston now and I love it. There's tons of stuff to do. It's a beautiful city, but I've always noticed that when I leave and especially when I go home to Maine, um, you know, it's like all this stress melts away and I realize how tense I am all the time when I'm in the city because I'm on such high alert and it's so much sensory overload that when I can go and sit and just be quiet and enjoy my surroundings and really just take it all in and not be, you know, constantly surveying everything around me and surrounded by noise. Um, I feel like I'm a completely different person, but it takes me stepping outside of it to, to realize it. Yeah. You get, it's like you forget, but it, I mean, it's, it's one of the roots of human nature really is being out in nature. Yeah. And I, I, I'll talk to my friends about this particular phenomenon a lot that when I, when I do go home, it's like the, one of the first things I do when I step out of my car, usually I'll try to drive after the crazy rush hour traffic. So I'll get home at night and, um, I'll step out of my car and it, it's so quiet that like the silence is almost loud and it's like shocking how quiet it is. And then I look up and see the stars and just realize like, Oh wow, it's been so long since I've even seen those because all of the light pollution in Boston. Um, and it, it always strikes me every single time. Yeah. I, I had an experience when I first, the first thing I did when I got out of the Coast Guard was go, um, I traveled around New Zealand for a month in a van. Um, and I remember the first night and it just a combination of everything being, you know, traveling for 24 hours. And now all of a sudden I'm just like, alone in this van in such a faraway place. And I remember like I, I got out of the van in the middle of the night and the stars, to be completely honest with you, like kind of scared me. Like I, 
<laughs> I've never seen that many stars in my entire life. And it was like, it just made me feel like I was on a different planet. And it, I mean, it was really cool, but it was like spooky. Like I felt like I was standing on another world or something was crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's, I feel like sometimes it's enough to just send you into a little existential crisis yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, with that many stars and like, yeah, it was crazy. We'll never yeah, forget that. It's beautiful. And, you know, personally, as someone that also tries to spend as much time as possible exploring the outdoors and connecting with nature um, and also socializing in circles of people that mostly are, you know, they're also super into the outdoors and, and, you know, hiking and biking and boating, what have you. Um, I find that everyone has their spots that they hold near and dear to their hearts. And for me, and you probably can relate to this, having your experience in the Coast Guard in Southwest Harbor, um, but my family has a, a summer cottage up near the Acadia region of Maine. Um, so for me, it's like the Acadia region, or as Mainers call it, the down east region of Maine. Um, and I would love to hear about some of your favorite places to recreate and what makes them so special to you. Um, I mean, my like growing up, I'm so I'm from the North Shore of Long Island. And uh, I grew up sailing with my dad um, on the Long Island Sound. So that, and it was so crazy. Like we sailed out, I mean, I, you're probably unfamiliar with the area, but we would sail out of um, Huntington Harbor. And there was a Coast Guard station at Eaton's Neck that like every time we went out, we passed. And I ended up getting stationed there. That was the second place that I was stationed, like at that station, so close to home. And so that was really cool. And so like the Long Island Sound in general and that area specifically will always be special to me, like just growing up sailing there with my dad. And then once I started getting into surfing and kite surfing, you know, that's the it, the Long Island Sound, obviously you can't surf up here. So the, the ocean side, the South Shore is a 20 minute drive down the parkway. And so those beaches now, um, there's a spot called Democrat Point, um, which is like the farthest west point at Robert Moses State Park. And then Gilgo Beach is another one where you can actually, you get the permit and you drive your truck out there. And, you know, the last couple of years have been such good memories there, just surfing and, you know, hanging out with similar-minded people surfing. And, you know, Alex Palumbo, I know, because you interviewed him on here. He's one of my best friends. And, you know, getting into shooting surf photography down there and surfing and kiting, and it's just you know, those places where you spend with good people and make such good memories or you never forget them. And it's so lucky that it's right here at home. Yeah, that's definitely an area of the country that I'm not super familiar with. But as I have interviewed now, Alex and um, my good friend, Brian Urisitz, um, I've heard... Yeah, I know. I met Brian. <laughs> we, we actually filmed um, and did this little... Um, he and Alex set up a little beach cleanup down at Democrat Point actually recently. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely saw the footage from that. And um, it just sounds like such a special place that I need to take some time to come down and explore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so just to pivot a little bit, but I mean, it's still relating to your love of the outdoors, but it's more, um, you know, in the vein of why, you know, that drive to, to protect what you love. Right. Um, something that I find really impressive about you is your drive to create and innovate. And I would like for our listeners to get a better understanding of why I'm saying this. So will you talk um, about the surf fin that you created out of recycled plastic? And then also um, 
this basically closed loop greenhouse system <laughs> that you built? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's like what I said before. I, I've always been fascinated with how things work and, and building things. And, you know, it started to really form later um, towards the end of my career in the Coast Guard. And that's why I decided to study engineering is um, because of that. And so, but I'm also, I don't really, I don't even know if I'm after a degree because I, I don't really see myself just getting a, just a kind of a typical career in engineering and, you know, sitting behind a computer and working up models or anything. Um, but I like to use the knowledge and I like learning about the subjects in engineering so that I can kind of apply them in my own way. And so those projects came from that. Um, so the, the surfing was just a cool way that I thought, you know, to more so than the actual physical thing, but um, the idea that it can, you know, maybe inspire others to get a little creative as well. So I just, all that plastic came from, you know, I think it was a Clorox bottle, you know, so a big bottle of detergent, a big gallon jug of water and some other various little, um, I think like motor oil jugs or whatever. And it was all the same type of plastic. It's called high density polyethylene. If you ever have a jug, then it has that recycle symbol with the number two. That's what that is. So I chopped them up, melted them down, um, pressed it into like a solid rectangular plate. And then I just shaped the fin from there. And, you know, at first I wasn't entirely sure if it would be, you know, structurally sound enough to support, especially kiting, kite surfing. Like there's a lot more force on the fin. So I wasn't really sure. I just kind of wanted to do it to test the concept. And, uh, you know, it actually ended up did working. It's on my kite board now. And, uh, yeah, so that was cool. And I think, like I said, that's one of the, one of the good things about social media, I think, is that more so than just having that physical thing, like obviously one fin made out of recycled plastic isn't going to save the world, but you know, you share it now with hundreds or thousands of people and maybe that little thing plants a seed in somebody else's mind and they want to do something now. So I think that's cool to kind of spread a message. Yeah, absolutely. And so do you share like the tutorials of how to make these on social media too? Um, Cause I mean, one, I feel like, I, this would probably be so time consuming, but this could be a great business idea. I feel like there would be a market for that. But then also people might be listening to this. And then when you talk about the greenhouse, you know, they might be interested in, in starting up their own project in their backyard or making their own fin. And um, so did you walk through like a tutorial or is there a place that people can find how to do this? Um, real nothing like no singular point where I got all the information, you know, I, you know, I, it's funny going to school for this stuff. I would honestly say that I've learned 10 times the amount just on the internet and YouTube and even not even just with that stuff with learning how to shoot photography and video is so much, honestly, all of it, <laughs> all of it came from just researching stuff on my own. Yeah, I, I hear that actually. So, um, you know, after talking with Alex and now you and I also am a photographer, um, I think all of us are self-taught and, um, you know, everybody learns in their own way. And of course, art school and film and photography school are wonderful things. Um, but if, you know, there are people listening out there that don't have the resources to, 
or the time or anything like that to go to a classic school, if you're passionate about it, just, you know, start doing it. Yeah, I'm definitely not a believer that you have to have a degree in something to be good at it or to to like really like have an impact on that field. I just think, and I wish that more people would. I I think it's a shame that, you know, bouncing around, I've been bouncing around schools with engineering and I just feel like so many people, they they obviously love learning about it like I do, but I, so many of them just, you know, they graduate and they end up kind of just getting a job with another company and kind of becoming another spoke in a wheel of some something that's just been going on. And, you know, when really, and I think that people do that for this, for this thing that is financial security, that it's like this big fear. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's kind of, it's interesting with the financial security aspect of it, because thinking about our student loan debt crisis that we're in, um, you know, I often wonder if it is that secure taking that path. And I'm curious to see if in, you know, a number of years, if that pendulum will swing back the other way and we're going to start seeing a lot more people in the trades um, because they realize that that college route isn't necessarily for everyone and that you can, um, you know, be successful and, and make a great amount of money um, in the trades. Right. Yeah. I always wonder like if you, like what if you went up to any one of these people that are studying something like engineering or science or mathematics, like what, what would you do with it if money wasn't an issue? Like if you weren't after this financial security. And I, I think that like you would get nothing but like incredible responses. You know, I think that everybody is a creator and an artist. And if you took, I think that what the world needs really is like this artistic creativity and apply it to engineering and science and math because what we need is innovation in so many fields and it's just you have so many great minds that are not doing it because they're going elsewhere because they just need the income to support themselves and probably pay off student loans and it's yeah it's a real shame. Mm-hmm. And so speaking of innovation, will you talk a little bit more about this greenhouse? Yes. Okay. So that <laughs> one, um, I get, I just honestly get these ideas that kind of pop into my head and I try to, when it comes to projects like that, the physical projects, like building things, I, I like to try and do things that are kind of like little tests to, you know, what if this can be scaled up? Like what if somebody maybe a little smarter than me, like actually could you know, make this a thing. (laughs) Um, So that like, I guess kind of applies to this, you know, need in the world to, as we, as our, you know, population increases and increases, it's, you know, we need to be using space more efficiently. So I thought it would be cool to make this greenhouse that kind of had the ability to take care of itself. Because obviously, you know, like what if, what if everybody had a vegetable garden in their yard and can kind of supply some of their, some of their food from their backyard. And that'd be awesome. But obviously not everybody has the time or the know-how to care for a garden like that. So I started building this and, uh, I, it has like three cedar grow boxes in it. And then it, uh, it's all run by a solar panel, which has sensors that like a temperature sensor, a soil moisture sensor um that's actually it right now so like and then it comes to my phone so it'll tell me 
like what the soil moisture content is. Does it need water? Is it too hot? Is it too cold? Um, it has automatic vents that will open if it's too hot. Um, and then it collects rainwater. So you never actually need to use water from the hose or anything. It's, I haven't actually had to yet. I just have only used rainwater. Um, and, you know, I tried to not get too far ahead of myself that I'm just dumping money into these projects. So for now, that's that's as far as it goes. And then, you know, maybe next season, is, the goal is to actually run some pumps in there so that it basically, because of the sensors, knows when the planters need water and then it'll pump water in there through like through the collected rainwater tank. Yeah. And you know, I think between this idea and your surfing, you're like, you're really onto something. Like we need to connect <laughs> you with like a business person to like turn this into something because I, I would definitely buy one of those. Yeah. So I, I've definitely thought about that. Like if you can actually kind of, you know, get that going up and running really, you know, kind of with no flaws or anything and you could just kind of, almost lease space to people put one in your yard and like, we'll have, we'll like monitor it and like take care of it. And then all the, all the veggies are yours. Um, yeah. Like a little community garden or yeah. like a, a CSA. I, I think that's great. Yeah. Where it kind of takes a little bit of the pressure of caring for the garden and make sure you to do everything perfect. Um, it takes a little bit of that pressure off and it, it you know, um, but actually in terms of, you know, one of my ideas for, something a little bit down the line more in terms of the fin i would i always thought it'd be a great thing to start kind of like a creative space where you can especially you know maybe centered around using um materials that are you know to recycle materials like plastics and but the idea would be to have the resources there you know you need to shred the plastic you need to melt the plastic you need to reform the plastic and you need tools to cut and shape it all and you know supply the resources and then have it as a space where creators can come and you know maybe host these workshops where you kind of talk and figure out new ways to use um trash basically and the idea i guess would you know be to stop looking at it like trash and kind of take that negative aspect of it like you're not just cleaning. It's it's not trash. It's now you're looking at it as, you know, there's just a surplus of raw material out there. Like go make something. And yeah, it's, really, like a, it's like a sustainable innovation center. Exactly. And you think like, I mean, that one surf in, I, I probably use six bottles of like jugs of plastic containers. So if you, you know, obviously you're not going to make certain things out of plastic, like things need structural integrity, but I mean, not that you can't recycle metal things too, but you know, take something i don't know, like a coffee table like what if you made a whole coffee table out of plastic that's a lot of plastic and then you have to kind of take that the negative connotation with like plastic things are just cheap into like this is recycled plastic so you know take pride in it this came from we took this out of the ocean and, and made something with it i think that would be really cool yeah, it like almost has more value because you're removing it from our system versus, you know, putting it something back in. Yeah, I'm all for that. And and so um I'd like to talk a little bit more about your photography work and your videography work um because you are very talented and you're welcome. And um I would like to know what is it that drew you to the craft? Um, I think the idea of sharing experiences kind of drew me to it. I first, 
you know, I, I kind of always go back and forth between video and photo and what really kind of takes up my attention. And I've been I'm kind of a photo kick lately. But um, I actually, when I first got my camera, I really wanted to, I was really kind of set on making videos. And uh, yeah, I think just kind of the ability, not, and not everything has this like profound message that's worth sharing. You know, some photos and some videos are just fun. They're just fun, like surf stuff or whatever. And that's, you know, it's all in a balance. But the ability to make something that, is you know inspirational or a story worth sharing or some you know that um i know you talked to alex about it that that video we made last year of that cleanup at hemstock like when we did that seeing the response and seeing it be you know shared thousands of times and and liked by hundreds of thousands of people and getting all these comments about people that want to get involved and they were asking us when our next cleanup is. And like, that's not even something that we had in mind yet. I mean, we wanted to make this video f- for that purpose to kind of spread this message. But um, when you get that kind of response and that you clearly inspired something inside of people, it, it's just a really special feeling. And whether it's just like a, a photo or that, you know, it just means a little less. It's not this profound thing that just inspires people or, or what, or if, you know, I think even like the, surf photography and, and outdoor photography can inspire somebody to just get outside. And I think that's even that's important. Like what we talked about before, like if you can just inspire somebody to get outside and maybe find something that they love, whether it's mountain biking or surfing or whatever, that's huge. Cause I think that that person that now fell back in love with nature is going to take care of it. It's one more person that's going to take care of it. Yeah, I agree. And I just think that they can be such valuable tools to connect people to nature um, whether it's showing them the impact that we're having or a beautiful place or, um, a new surf spot to try out. Um, and something else that I I think I talked to Alex about this is more on the human side of it with photography, mainly photography, but I suppose videography is the same way is that you never really get the, or really you'll never get the experience to experience, you know, life through somebody else's eyes. And I view photography as sharing a little bit of how I see the world with other people. And I think that that can be really special. Yeah. I love, I love, you know, most of my photos actually are just of people doing something, whether it's surfing or, you know, I, not that I, I love landscapes, obviously, but me personally, like I, I'd rather just see the landscape in my eyes and I don't, maybe I'm just not that good at landscape photography, but <laughs> I, I just prefer like having a subject, like taking photos of somebody doing something, experiencing something. And I, I think that's cool. And yeah, it is like interesting when you, people come up to me about the photos and think that I like live this incredible life, but it's just, it's, it's right here. I mean, you, op- you open your eyes. I just, maybe it's, I see things a little differently or, I, you know, especially after years of doing it, I know what, you know, kind of know more what I'm looking for, but it's not this incredible. I mean, it is incredible life. Don't get me wrong, but it's, I'm not like, you know, I'm just an average guy. I just <laughs> like, I want people yeah, to know that an average it's, guy with a great eye. <laughs> I just want people to know that it's like, it's right here. Like half my photos are right here on long Island, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I agree. I think that there's something really special about photographing humans. Um, and it's almost like a challenge for me 
when I do portraits or take photos of people is to really capture who they are. Um, you know, I'm not really into the whole, whole post thing, um, but it, it becomes this like more of this like intimate experience w- with connecting with another human that I think is just so beautiful. Yeah, I agree. And I'm the same way. Like when it comes to shooting people, I actually, I think <laughs> it depends who you're shooting. Some people like to have, like if you're specifically shooting portraits or something, some people like to have a little more direction on like what to do, but I personally prefer not to give them any direction. I'd rather just kind of act natural. And, and then when I end up shooting stuff like that, I, I come back with like 2000 photos because I'll just snap away, you know, cause I, I'll like shoot people while they're talking and, you know, cause I, I hope to capture that right. Kind yeah, of perfect cause that's when that they're being their, their true selves. So that, I feel like that's, exactly. that's what I'm, I'm going for. Um, and, fake smiles look so fake. Yeah. Yeah. You can you know? spot them a mile away. And, right. um, I'm always interested in learning more about people's creative process. And um, if you could share a little bit about what keeps you motivated and inspired and interested in your work, that would be really awesome. Yeah. I mean, in terms of my creative process, it's definitely, I don't know that I have like one streamlined process. I think it's kind of random at times. Like, you know, sometimes I'm going to shoot something specific and like but even then I still don't really know what I'm looking for until I get there and then once I know that I have some good photos I kind of don't even really know how I want to do the editing yet until I just kind of look at them and mess around um so if it's like if I the jobs that I've gotten hired to do like to film at a small business or whatever it's it's a little more organized like we'll we'll kind of know what we're looking for and I'll make sure that I get the shots that I want and then go back and kind of edit it however but honestly I think my favorite things are just the kind of things that happen uh more unexpectedly like you kind of capture something and then you you don't even realize what you got until you bring it back to your computer and like look at it and get like a kind of a bigger view of it and uh I think probably those moments are what keep me more motivated than anything when you like I think that's why like surf photography is special because you you can't really look at the camera too much it's more just like trying to line things up and you know your knowledge of the ocean and how the waves work really come to play but you really don't know what you got until you come back and then you you see something that came out great and then you get to share it with this person that you took a photo of and and then they're so like excited about it and those are the things that keep me motivated I guess yeah I guess that's how how I would put it (laughs) yeah and I think that there's so much magic that can happen in the editing process too um and I love that moment too where you sit down finally and you get to look through all of your photos and and uh review what you captured throughout the day um and just that joy you get when you're like oh that's the shot that's the one Right. Yeah. And I always love to watch when it, with video, I think one of my favorite things is when I, if I edit something that I really like and it's, it's finally like the finished product is done. And then I always like to watch people watching it. Like when I first show my brother or something and like, I always enjoyed that, like to see their response and like what I thought was really cool and to see what they think and like, just to kind of like watch their eyes, watch it. I think it's really cool. Yeah. And how they connect to it. And so are you currently working on any projects or do you have any coming up that you'd like to share? 
Um, so I just kind of went uh, this, what was it, two weeks ago, I was up in British Columbia, which I, I just went for me, really, and I, I tried to shoot as much as I could. Um, more photography. I did some surf photography up there. Um, the waves weren't that crazy, so they were fun, but um, I ended up linking up with a professional mountain biker on the island. Uh, his name is Mark Matthews, and those ended up being some of my favorite shots of the whole trip. And, uh, you know, it ended up some of his sponsors really love them too. So it really worked out and it, it always feels like now when I travel like that, I, I try to not just make it a vacation. Like I, I try to make it a portfolio building experience where like, hopefully I can come back with something and, and maybe, you know, it could generate a little money and whatever pay back for the trip a little bit. Um, so that was cool. And actually along with biking, I'm working with, um, one of the local bike shops around here, we're doing a little uh, video of like a, a bike being built and then filming in the trails. Um, so that will be pretty cool. And then nothing too crazy in the in the short term. Um, I would have been thinking a lot lately, of, like in terms of that surfing, I would like to this summer do a little bit more physical projects building like that and then share a little more of the process and the through photography and video because I really like I said like if I can generate something that inspires people and then I can people kind of want to learn more about and how to do I'd really like that so that's definitely happening this summer a couple more maybe plastic recycling projects and and some photo and video to go along with it it's definitely something that I'd like to do yeah. And, and so for the listeners out there, I definitely encourage all of you to go check out Joe's work. It is really beautiful. And so Joe, can you share how people can connect with you and um, check out your portfolio and all of your work? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, you know, like any photographer now, everything's on Instagram. <laughs> um, I mean, my Instagram name is, it's at uh, Joe underscore Leahy, L-E-A-H-Y. And then my website is um, com, And all, not all, but a good amount of my photos and videos are up there too. And then, yeah, if, if you know, my, my email and, you know, you could always direct message me on Instagram if you ever have any questions about like photography or video or the fins or anything. I, yeah, I'd love to talk. And so before we wrap up, I would like to ask you a few broader questions and I... I do this because I feel like I'm in a really fortunate position to, to have the opportunity to sit down for conversations with just so many bright and inspiring people like yourself. And I've gotten into this routine of asking each of my guests a series of the same questions. And it's been really fun to hear everyone's insights and notice patterns and differing opinions. Um, so I'm curious to know what you think is the most pressing environmental challenge that we're faced with. The most pressing, I think, I mean, the most pressing is the fact that we need to get away from digging carbon out of the earth and putting it into the air and then in turn into the oceans. It's, you know, we're, we're setting up a life where like our kids aren't going to know the same world that we are. And that's, that's just a terrible thought, you know, whether it's the rising, rising temperatures or the, um, you know, ocean acidification, it's to think of like 
that my kids might have a different view of the ocean than I did. And like the experiences, like they might never see coral and that's just crazy to me. So, you know, obviously things like plastic pollution needs to be figured out. Um, but I think, you know, we need to, there needs to be more research and alternative sources of energy, like photovoltaics and battery technology and electric vehicles. And, you know, figuring out how to apply that to industries and like agriculture. And it's just, it's absolutely the most important. Yeah. And that bring it brings the conversation full circle back to the whole innovation being a necessity that, you know, we need more innovators out there to, to help us move away from the, you know, oil and gas dependency that we have as a planet. And because that question usually brings forth um, some you know, a little more concerning and stressful responses. I like to bring it back up by asking, you know, what are you hopeful for moving forward? I, I hope that more people embrace, I, like I said before, I think everybody has a creative side. Everybody has a kind of an artistic side. And I, I think that if more of that shines through than just, you know, worrying about things like financial security and just what we the kind of stuff we talked about before it, i think that those things and innovation are kind of synonymous like more people that want to create and the more people that get out in nature and you know i think that it would be nothing but good for our world agreed and we'll wrap up on a two part question um because we have a lot of young professionals and also lifelong learners that listen to this show what is the best advice that you've ever been given? Hmm. I don't know if there's any one single statement that I can recall. I just, I mean, I guess it's kind of age old. Like you have to, you have to be who you love to be and like chase the things that you love. And, you know, it's scary sometimes and you might not really know how to go about it, how to generate a life and an income doing it. But I think that it'll always be to life, you know, where you, you know, that you're working a job for 40 years that you don't really like. That's, I can't even imagine that. And I know that it, there's so many people that are probably stuck doing something they don't like and don't really know how to go about getting away or finding that thing or pursuing that thing that they love. But I just, I think that is like one of the most important things in the world. <laughs> Yeah. And then to go hand in hand in that with that question is what advice do you have for our listeners? Same exact thing, honestly. Like if you don't, if you don't have <laughs> that thing that, or it doesn't have to be one thing. Like may I, I'm kind of all over the place of the things that I love. And, and I think that's great. It doesn't have to be one thing. It could be multiple things, but don't set them aside and don't just save them for like the time off that you have. If it's something that I love, something that you love, and it's something that means something to you and it matters and it's something that you you know that just draws you to it be drawn to it go do it and that's that's really it yeah <laughs> I think that everything will work out from there well put everybody go out there and pursue your passions um well joe i appreciate all of the innovative and inspiring work that you're doing and thank you for spending some time with me today Oh, thank you so much, Jenna. It's a pleasure to be here. 
And I also would like to thank the listeners. If you like this show and want to hear more, subscribe to the American Shoreline Podcast Network wherever you listen to podcasts. Rates and reviews are always appreciated. And you can find us on Facebook at the American Shoreline Podcast Network and on Twitter at Coastal News 365. And you can find me personally on Twitter. It's at Yenna Benna. That's Y-E-N-N-A-B-E-N-N-A. And on Instagram, it's the same thing, but the Yenna has three N's in it. Um, Find us online and let's chat about our beautiful coastlines.